I am wonderfully excited to have Pastor Fladiris here. I met Pastor Fladiris in 2001. He and his wife, his, team, his church had brought a team to Lithuania for the other church that was there at the time in Kaunas. And uh, they had done a concert, and I had gone up with my daughter. We met them, gone to the concert, and I told my wife when I got back, you've got to meet this, this couple. They're a fantastic couple. So we, we arranged, we had lunch, and a friendship was birthed. Uh, our boys, uh, they have uh, three boys. Their two oldest boys were right around my son's age. Uh, I think their oldest boy is about the same age. And so they hit it off right away, became friends. Uh, and he invited me to come preach for him. He came back, I believe. Uh, the, he is the person I have preached the most for. And he is the person who has preached the most for me out of everyone I can think of as far as friends. And, and it's just been a tremendous relationship through the years. We've actually uh, been together in six different countries now with Canada, we can actually count. We've had lunch in six different countries. China, Holland, Lithuania, England. We took our boys to England when they graduated, and the four of us uh, ran around London for two days and had a great time, United States and now Canada. And so it's just a great privilege to have him here. He's a great preacher. If you were at the marriage class, I'm sure you were blessed. You would agree with that. He's also going to minister here. Tremendous church in Arnhem, the Netherlands, or Holland, and uh, his wife is with him. Uh, I jokingly always say our wives aren't friends, they're sisters. Uh, and, uh, but uh, we just really are glad that they're with us. Let's give Pastor Fladeris a nice welcome as he comes. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you for that welcome. Thank you, Pastor Sullivan, for uh, inviting us and having us here. Okay, let me... Better. Okay. So, um, thank you again. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, so, indeed, we are great friends for the last uh, 20, 22 years. And um, several places in the world. Uh, Pastor uh, Sullivan did a marriage uh, crusade for us. Marriage seminars, seminars last, week, last year. Amen. We had a great time at Arnhem. Arnhem, by the way, if you know anything about... Uh, Second World War history, uh, it is the city of the bridge too far. If you remember that, remember old movie, A Bridge Too Far, that's the place. Uh, Market Garden, uh, uh, that's the place uh, every year that's uh, uh, remembered in September. So this month there's this Market Garden operation of the Allies to push forward to Germany, which did not succeed at that time. But that's the place, Arnhem, Holland. Uh, our church is similar like this church, 40 years old. It, we uh, celebrated last November uh, 40 years of Arnhem Church. Arnhem is the second church in Holland uh, besides the Zwolle Church. It was the first church to be launched out uh, 40 years ago, for, uh, 41 years ago almost. So uh, that's the history of our church. We've been uh, <clears throat> missionaries in China for five and a half years. We're five years in Arnhem now, and before that we were pioneering for 18 years in the Netherlands, so in a city called Delft, the Delft's Blue, if you are familiar with that. Okay, so that's the story. Um, we're going to open the Word of God in a moment, Genesis 18, verse 9, verse 15. 
my wife and me, we really enjoy being in in America and uh, also uh, Canada last weekend, and it was a great time. So I read about the laughter shop, which offers laughter workshop, workshops. It says laughter reduces stress, shortens illness duration, increases performance and creative creativity. Laughter therapy or laughter yoga has been around for about 20 years now and is increasingly offered as a form of stress relief and immune system strengthening. It's about laughing without a reason because you don't have to be happy to laugh, but laughing can make you happy. That's the advertisement. So in our story, we see a woman laughing without being happy. At least that's how it seems in the first. Uh, Later she laughs again, but this time she is indeed very happy. Our text begins with, The Lord appeared to Abraham. Three men, one of whom is God himself. The other are two angels. They come before Abraham, they... Uh, They walk by his tent, so Abram quickly invites them. Abram and Sarah, they prepare a meal for them. The three men are eating under the tree while Abraham stands nearby. And we pick up the story over there in Genesis 18, verse 9. Then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abram and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh Amen. I want to minister about he who laughs last. Amen. Let's firstly look at the laughter of unbelief. Because in this text we see Sarah laughing. It's clearly not a laugh of joy. It's more like a cynical laugh. It's a laugh of unbelief. And God asked, why did Sarah laugh? That's a good question. Why do people laugh? People laugh for various reasons. Sometimes culture-related. Like humor, what people find funny is ferries uh, across different cultures. We lived in China for five and a half years. And so the humor in China is a man slipping on a banana peel. Great fun. If you put that in a movie, it's great fun. Everybody will like that. England, they are more fond of sarcastic humor. 
But laughter is not always an expression of joy or happiness that's evident in our story. I read about a Dutch soccer player recently. He died, and he seemed to have big mental problems, but hid them always behind a smile. His best friend shared, even for me, it was most of the the times difficult to figure out how he really felt. He always hid behind his smile. No No matter how bad he felt, he always smiled. I don't think there was anyone who knew how he really felt. He was battling with himself mentally. So people, they... They laugh, but they conceal some things behind their laugh. There's this story of a man who goes to the doctor and says, Doctor, I've been feeling very down lately. Could I be depressed? So the doctor says to him, "Uh, whether you're depressed or not, I cannot say for sure. But I do have some good advice for you. I was at the circus yesterday, and they had a clown called... Pagliacci. I've laughed my head off because of Pagliacci. This clown is so funny and hilarious. As a doctor's recommendation, go see Pagliacci at the circus. I'm sure it will cheer you up. The man looked even more sad and disheartened than when he had arrived and said, but doctor, there's only one problem. I am that clown. I am Pagliacci. (laughs) So, another reason why people laugh is because of shame and disappointment. In some cultures, including China, where we lived and uh, where Pastor Sullivan visited us, when people feel shame or are embarrassed by a situation, they laugh. I remember I had to confront some people and they started laughing and I think, oh, this is going well. <laughs> and he even laughed harder when I confronted him hard, but I never saw them back. So I think mm, something went wrong. So they laugh because of shame or disappointment sometimes. We see that in our scripture. Shame and disappointment made Sarah laugh. Sarah is not a longer, no longer a young woman, and, and she has experienced a lot of disappointment in her life. In those days, being childless was a traumatic experience, as it was seen as a disgrace of someone, uh, if someone couldn't have children. So all these years of shame and disappointment start to weigh on Sarah. We know the drama with Hagar, the maidservant. When Sarah finally had no better solution than to offer her maidservant to Abraham. So that he can have a son with her and that worked out. But it brought new problems. Genesis 16 verse 5. Then Sarah said to Abraham, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had been, had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. When Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. So you could easily say, 
What an overreaction from this woman. Why was she so harsh on her maidservant? Couldn't she have uh, handled this differently? Did she really really have to humiliate this woman so badly? But the fact is, this whole affair touched the very sensitive issue in the heart of Sarah. Sarah had been living for a long time between hope and fear. Hope of still having a child. Abram had, without any doubt, spoken enthusiastically when he met with the Lord. When he had this encounter with God, and God has promised Abraham that his descendants will be as numerous as the sand of the sea. And also, Sarah is included in that promise, of course. So hope is there still. But then there's also fear because the years are passing by and nothing is happening. Twenty-five years have passed by since God's promise to Abraham and still no son. There is fear in Sarah's laughter. The fear of being hurt again. Then there is also unbelief. So the emphasis in our text is on Sarah, but Abraham actually did the same. Despite being the direct recipient of of God's promises, he was the same. He did the same. He had also his doubts and he had also his struggles with unbelief. In Genesis 17, we read that. Verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her. She shall be a mother of nations, king of peoples. Kings of people shall be from her. Then Abram fell on his face and he laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abram said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. So this event happened not long before that. Before the incident in our text. When God himself with the two angels appear at the tent. It seems like Abram and Sarah, they have accepted the fact that it will not happen. So Abram also laughed. We know laughter can be wicked, can be evil. We know uh, the example of Jairus' daughter that... Jesus is coming with his disciples, and the, uh, uh, Jairus is coming out. He's a priest, and he's asking to, for Jesus to come to his house and to, to, to raise his child from the dead. And the Bible says, Matthew 9, verse 23, when Jesus came into the ruler's house, saw the flute players and the noise, noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, make room for the girl is not, not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. They laughed. They were asked to come to weep, professional weepers. But they came and and Jesus came and they laughed at him. They ridiculed him. You know, faith in miracles, it thrives in a good atmosphere. Jesus wanted to do a miracle. 
And so Jairus believed in the miracle. His wife believed in the miracle. The disciples believed in the miracle. But these people, they ridiculed him. They brought the atmosphere down. And he said, go out. Perhaps that's why God says, why did Sarah laugh? I didn't laugh. You did laugh. Yes, you did laugh. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Let's secondly look at the challenge to believe this morning. There's a challenge to believe. There's a challenge to have personal faith. You can be in a great fellowship. You can be part of a great church, amen? For Bible-believing church, amen, Pentecostal church, but that doesn't mean that you believe personally God for great things. Verse 9 says, Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? Well, you might wonder why Sarah gets involved here. Until this time, God had dealt with Abraham, right? Genesis 12, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you a great name great. Genesis 14, For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And yet, here's the question, where is Sarah, your wife? Well, we know that God doesn't ask questions because he doesn't know where Sarah was, right? Where is Sarah? I have no clue where Sarah is. Of course he did. He's God. Amen? It was not a question to get information. But he asked the question to draw attention to her. Amen? God wanted her to have personal faith, too. You know, faith is an individual matter, but it is also a collective one. When an atmosphere of faith exists somewhere, amen, God is able to do things, amen, and it changes everything. And when the atmosphere goes down, that has an uh, effect on what God can do. We recently had a tent crusade with Pastor Greg Mitchell, not me, but, uh, but uh, the, the, the churches in Holland. We, we take turns every year. Uh, next year, Arnhem will be organizing the big tent crusade in August. This year was in a place called Leeuwarden. And I've been in numerous tent crusades. And the second evening was very difficult. I could see that. And so, various people were working to undermine the atmosphere. There's a group of young people, some thugs, and they come in, and they did not come to get saved, or they did not come for the miracles. They came to frustrate and to disrupt the, the service. So, the ushers had to deal with them, and so they were guarded out, amen, escorted out. And so... Uh, uh, we could, we could hear on the other side of the, 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 the tent, there's, there's a big fight going on. Well, anyway. And so, in the meantime, where, when the ushers were dealing with that, there's a, there's a guy with a Jewish flag. And I have nothing against the Jewish flag, but this guy walks from that side of the tent like 65 meters. I'm not sure how many uh, feet, let's say 200 feet. From that side of the tent, he walks... Before the platform, he walks out on the other side. <laughs> Crazy guy. 
Well, in short, various demonic activities were aimed at diverting the attention there. From what was happening on the stage, Pastor Greg Mitchell, a faith-building preaching, a man, prayer for the sick. That's what was going on, but it, the attention was diverted. And the atmosphere, a man, was hard to, uh, to see anything happening. So that's why it's crucial for every Christian to develop their personal faith. Your spouse cannot believe God for you. Your parents cannot believe God for you. You need to develop personal faith. Your pastor cannot believe God for you. Your church cannot believe God for you. You have to develop your faith. Then also, secondly, faith is specific. Faith must, must be made specific. Amen? You, you have to believe in God for something specific. Verse 10 says, and he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. That's very specific, amen? One year, Sarah will have a son. What are you believing God for this morning? What is your Isaac? You know, often we pray, we, our prayers are not that specific. God bless me, bless my family, bless the cat, bless the dog. Lord, bless the whole world. Well, that's not quite specific, amen? It's nice that you pray for the cat and the dog, of course, but if you only pray these general prayers, you'll never see prayers really answered. They remain fake. The more specific you are in your prayers, the clearer it is when God will answer them. We were in uh, in a Holland conference in August. Uh, and um, I think it was Pastor Greg Mitchell or Pastor Tom Payne. It was Pastor Tom Payne, and, and uh, he says, believe, it was for the young pastors, believe God to be a full-time pastor next August. Very specific. One year, become a full-time pastor. Amen. So what do you want to see happen? Again, what is your Isaac? You think about it. What do I want to see happen in one in, within one year? Within one month, amen? So set a goal on the horizon and say, I want to reach that. For your spouse, for your family, maybe uh, ministry, bringing souls into the kingdom, financial breakthroughs in the job, breakthrough in the job, breakthrough for a house, for a place to live, whatever it may be. Breakthrough for the church, amen. Be specific. Example of Abraham. Lord, if there are 50 righteous within the city, will you also destroy the city? Will you not spare the place for the 50 righteous that were in it? He's he's specific. God says, I will not destroy it because of the 50. Lord, 45. Lord, 40, 30, 20. Lord, if there are 10 righteous, will you destroy the city? He's very specific in his prayers, in his numbers. Faith is also for the now. 
John 4, verse 35. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. We know at that time Jesus was in the synagogue in Capernaum. And he used the passage from the book of Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And the people there said, yeah, nice, 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 nice scripture. And they nodded off, you know, because they had heard it before. Luke 4, verse 20, then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant. And he sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Oh, that was new. There was something new. Today. Amen. Very specific. He's, especially when Jesus started talking about how even the Gentiles would get saved. And there was enough. Wait. Throw them out, of the, out from the mountain. And so they took offense at Jesus because he made things specific. And he spoke about now and not only in fake terms about, yeah, you know, uh, in the future, later. He spoke about believing God now and expecting great things now. Lately, we've been talking a lot about the fellowship uh, uh, origins. You've seen the, uh, you also do the video series, series here from Pastor Greg, the Memorial Stones. So all the great things in the past and wonderful are wonderful, but we must be careful not to become too nost- nostalgic, right? And the intention is for us not to, to, it's to get inspired by the past, but with the expectation that God will do the same in our days and even beyond that, amen? And he will do that here and now and not somewhere in the future. Pastor Wayman Mitchell, he once spoke in a church in Wales. I think it was in the 70s. Wales, if you don't know that, there was a great revival in the early uh, 1900s. Uh, 1904, 1905. Great revival by a man called Evan Roberts. From that revival, 100,000 people or more got saved. And at that moment, it was like 5% of the Welsh population at that time. So, great revival. Cinemas in some places were converted into churches because no one was interested in movies anymore. Pubs had to close down. Donkeys in the mines didn't obey because their drivers no longer cursed at them. But... Pastor Mitchell is there 60, maybe 70 years later. And he's in the church, in the very church, the revival started there in the Welsh revival. But when he was preaching there, he saw nothing but gray-haired people, only elderly people. He says, I was in my 50s and I looked like a teenager compared to the rest. And so the problem was that those people had remained stuck in the past and no longer believed God for the now. So Pastor Mitchell at that time had only one message to them. Make sure you get some people saved. 
Otherwise, it will be completely over in a few years. I don't know what happened there, but anyway, we need to believe God for the now. It's deadly for our faith if we only believe God for the distant future. Believe God for the past. Oh, yeah, when I was a new convert. Oh, that was great. It was such a great time and such a great miracles that happened. And what a good time when God was moving in my life. Yeah, that's, that's, that sounds very nostalgic, right? But we need to have some miracles now. We need to believe God for now. Let's lastly look at he who laughs last. How did laughter actually originate? Who started laughing? Oh, let me tell you, but don't laugh too hard. Scientific research has shown that laughter originated 10 to 16 million years ago. Like I said, don't laugh too hard. Our ancestors lived in larger and more complex groups at that time, increasing the need for expressing feelings and emotions and creating strong social bonds. With the growth of the brain, cognitive cognitive skills and self-expression Abilities such as laughter also developed. That's, that's great laughing. Man. That's, that's great fun. So be careful not to laugh too loud because laughter is not always that healthy. There are many examples of people who laugh themselves to death. A Greek philosopher, he died during a fit of laughter. This man laughed so hard at a drunken donkey... That donkey had eaten fermented dates and he couldn't control himself. He couldn't stand on his legs anymore. And that man, he's, he thought that was so funny, he couldn't stop, stop laughing. And excessive laughter as the of, official cause of death. Well, if we go back to Sarah. Sarah laughed. She, she laughed again later. But this time she did have reason to laugh. And it was a laughter of joy. Because God, a man, is faithful. And he cares about us. Sarah didn't display much faith in her encounter with God. But God comes to help her. Even in our unbelief and in our doubt, a man. God wants to help us. Because he loves us, right? And he kept his promises to Abraham and Sarah. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Genesis 21, verse 1 to 3. And the Lord visited Sarah and he had, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abram a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abram called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. The Lord visited Sarah. Amen. Those are beautiful words. God looks after us, including you, including me. Amen. The Lord looks after us. He will visit us. We see that also in Hagar's life. We've seen how Hagar was humiliated by Sarah, fled into the wilderness. Hagar had, did have a bad attitude. 
similar to Sarah's attitude in our story, but God still looked after Hagar, Genesis 16, verse 13. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees, for she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore the well was called Ber Lahairoi. Observe it is because between Kadesh and Berit. Ber Lahairoi, it means the well of the living one who sees me. So, there's also a great testimony of this story. Sarah says, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. So, in essence, her testimony is this. You know, God visited us last year and said we would have a son. I could hardly believe it, and I started to laugh. But look at us now. And she's carrying Isaac. We have a son. God made me laugh. We know that the disciples after the resurrection, they, they, the Bible says when they hear it, they marveled and they said, now we believe, but we see it for ourselves. Even the Bible says they started laughing because of unbelief. They couldn't believe it. You know, sometimes and many times God does things that leave us completely astonished. Things that are too good to be true. But they are true. Amen. God is doing great things. And the disciples and also Sarah, they testified of the great works of God. Finally, there is an inheritance. Isaac, his name means laughter. Referring again to those specific days. Isaac is somewhat, he's, he's a blessed child. If you look at, at Isaac, he's a little bit different. There's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Well, most of the times, Abraham gets a lot of attention. A lot of things to tell about him. A lot of stories, a lot of uh, all kinds of drama. Jacob, the deceiver who becomes the prince of God. Amen. Jacob becomes Israel. A lot to tell about him. A lot of stories. Isaac, he's in between. There's not so much drama in Isaac's life. Only when Jacob appears, the drama starts, right? For the rest, there's not so much drama about uh, uh, Isaac's life to tell. He's somewhat, he's a blessed child. He receives this rich inheritance from God, from, a, from his father. You can compare him by growing up in church. Being a church kid. Of course, he has to face his own struggles. Every child in, born in church also will go through his times, amen? Have to learn to fight to keep the inheritance. Has to learn to believe God for himself, amen? But he's favored by God. And Isaac, he's the one who laughs last, amen? Galatians 4, verse 28, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was... Our children of promise. Isaac was the child of promise, amen. We are children of promise this morning. Hallelujah. What are you believing God for this morning? Amen. What is your Isaac? Can you believe God for great things happening in your life, in your family, in your ministry, amen? At your job, whatever you need. Let's believe God for that. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes this morning, amen. As we 
come before God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this place, for this opportunity, Lord, to preach the gospel. Lord, I pray, Lord, if there are people here that are not saved, Lord, touch their hearts, Lord, I pray. Let them leave this place renewed, Lord, restored, blessed, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. If heads are bowed, eyes are closed this morning. I've spoken about he who laughs last. Great story in the Bible of Sarah and Abraham. We have Isaac as a son. This morning, maybe you are here. You're in need of salvation. You, you have different needs, but greatest need you have is the need of salvation. To get to know God. To get to get right with God this morning. Amen. If that's you. Jesus Christ, he gave his blood for you. At Calvary's cross. He shed his blood, amen, so that you may be saved, so that you can be forgiven of all your sins. If you've never received that, if you're you're not a Christian this morning, you're not a born-again Christian, amen, you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But this morning you came, maybe you are in need, amen, maybe you're heartbroken. Whatever your need is, Start with God, amen. Start with Jesus. Ask him in your heart and life. The Bible says he knocks at the door of our heart. Whoever opens the door, he will come in and have fellowship with you. If that's you, please raise up your hand. You're not saved, but you want to get saved this morning. Maybe you're a backslider in this place. Before you knew the the Lord Jesus Christ, but maybe because of disappointment, Maybe because of discouragement. Maybe because of a lack of faith, a lack of personal faith, amen. You back down and you backslid. You want to come back to Jesus this morning? Pray, please raise up your hand. It will be my pleasure, my privilege to pray with you. We don't want to embarrass you, but simply lead you in a prayer of salvation. Not saved or backslidden. Please raise your hand. Christians in this place. He who laughs last. We also can have this, this laughter of unbelief. You know, we we already believe in God for such a long time. And we almost become cynical about certain things. Sarah had a cynical laugh and a laughter of unbelief. A laughter of shame and disappointment. And things can have happened to you. And you still maybe. Believe you one on one side you want to believe God for great things. On the other side there is fear that it won't happen. And unbelief is setting in. But this morning I want to challenge you to believe. I want to challenge you for personal faith. Amen. Your parents, your church, your spouse cannot believe God for you. You need to have personal faith. You need me to make your faith specific so that you see the great things that God will do in your life when he comes through. And you need to have faith for now. Not only faith for the past, oh God did great things in the past in my life, but faith for now, amen. Faith that God will come through on your behalf now. 
He who laughs last, amen. God is faithful. He cares for us this morning. And if that happens, if those things happen in your life, testify of it. Sarah testified. He made me laugh. And he gave her son the name Isaac, laughter, amen. There's a great inheritance from this story. And God will do great things for you, amen. Because we are children of promise this morning. Hallelujah. If God has spoken to your heart, amen. I want to open this altar. Let's all stand in this place, sing a song. Start to believe God for yourself, amen. Start to believe God for greater things. Start to believe God now, amen, for specific things. Let God help you this morning, amen, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah,